You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Let's go to God's Word and so look at it together this morning. We want to come to Romans chapter 15 once again. And verse 22 today, we are marching along. Verse 22 in the book of Romans chapter 15, the letter to the Romans. While I grab my water, we've got a picture from last week from Micah. There it is. This is great. So Micah and his brother both did a good good job. This one, I went to, you know, I take pictures, put it in the PowerPoint, get it up here. I went to take it and I actually had it upside down. If you tilt around, it's it's a really good mirror image there. So he did a really good job on that. Um, but that was kind of this line. You've got it on the front of your bulletin, this idea of gospel ministry being tethered to Christ. And that's kind of the picture. I don't know if you can see that, that line. Help, if you ever know where this is, help me out. I don't know where this is happening or taking place. And, and of course, we celebrate a risen Savior. We don't go to a symbol for anything. But it's, it's a good picture that gives us a picture of what does it look like to be tethered to Christ in all of what we do. As we go out in the boat of ministry or life, that we're just never far from what Christ has his beauty, his glory, and proclaiming that. And so, appreciate Micah showing that. Well, let's look into God's Word here, verses 22 through 29. Be ready for a little more geography today. Let's listen to God's Word. Paul says, This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions and Since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. And I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Let's pray once again. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to freely come to study your word. So many of us, again, having multiple copies of it, we've got it on our phones, in our laps. But Lord, we want to read it and we want to hear it and not be those that hear only, but go do it. Lord, I do pray for Mike and the greater ministry of the Gideons. And we thank you, Lord, that there's an organization that is setting Bibles in places of need, Lord. The world is in need of your word that brings life as it points us to Christ. So, Lord, as these Bibles go to these hotel rooms where desperate people look for truth, and there it is in your word. And I just pray you'd bless Mike, especially in his family as he works on this. He travels to different churches that you would just guide him in his work to be faithful in his work, and to be encouraged in his work and guide the broader work, Lord, of your word going forth and your promise that goes with it. Lord, now just help us to look 
into it in these brief verses here of Spain and elsewhere, Lord, that we would glean um, good things from it, things of you, things of Christ. And so work in our heart by your Spirit, we would ask. In the name of Jesus, amen. Are you ready for some more geography today? I love, if you don't caught, I like geography. Geography is fun, where things are at. We've got some of it today, again, in our text before us. Spain, Rome, Jerusalem. And so when geography comes, we get to put up a map. So we'll have a map up here for today. I've asked Caleb to just leave it up there, and you can kind of ponder that map of what's going on there. But I've circled these three places, three places in view from today's text, three places where Paul would seek to share Christ. To share Christ in Spain, Spain, I don't know how you pronounce it, whatever, Hispania maybe. So there's Spain, maybe someplace said that's basically the ends of the earth out there, at least in this time. There's Spain, wants to take Christ there, wants to take Christ in a way to Jerusalem. You've got it offer on the other, on the right side, to Jerusalem by delivering financial aid, support for the saints that are there. And then, really, to kind of come back, Christ, to bring Christ, share Christ again in person with the church in the middle there in, in Rome on his way back. And I think we can safely say no matter where Paul would be, Spain, Jerusalem, Rome, or going, his aim is to share Christ. And so we want to look at these three areas. As we leave that up there, you can see that. But think of these three areas where Paul's going to go. And first, um, let's come back into our text at verse 22. So Paul says there, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Coming to who? To the church at Rome. That's the letter to the church at Rome here. This is the reason I've been so hindered. It's really, this verse 22, I think the NIV puts this verse with the preceding uh, section here. It's kind of almost the tale, the conclusion um, for why Paul really hasn't come to Rome any earlier. Because we saw in the previous verses, we looked at this last week, Paul was working in this region of Jerusalem to, you can kind of see Illyria there, Illyricum, Jerusalem to there. That was kind of his work and his region of ministry, and that's now uh, complete, but that's where he had been. And so his hindrance was there. That was his mission, his ministry among those Gentiles for their obedience to the faith. It was Paul's gospel ministry there at the time. So he couldn't go other places. And it was a gospel ministry, again, tethered in Christ, and that's what's kept Paul from getting to the church at Rome. Not that he didn't want to be there, but he had a priority elsewhere in that region that we looked at last week. There's kind of some quick, just right off the bat, quick application here, that if you're not going to get somewhere, if you're hindered from coming, a great reason for not getting there is because I had gospel ministry work in a place already. That's a great reason to not get somewhere. And so perhaps our own priorities, our own lives here, by way of application, are helped by just considering this. We, we live in a time where busy, it's just busy is common. It's what it is. All of us, maybe if I asked each one of you, you feel stretched thin, you feel busy, I'm, I'm thin, I don't have time. There's just the, the way of margin is pretty small here. And I've got to imagine Paul was busy too. But what was he busy with? Gospel ministry. It's a good question just to ponder, maybe ponder around a 
a late fall campfire, find some quiet place. What is my life? What's prioritizing my life in terms of my busyness is a gospel ministry. That doesn't mean quit your job because only gospel-specific preaching the word, that idea is, is ministry. God's given us everything to make uh, meals at home, to care for a home, to care for work, to go out, to be productive, to build things, create things. It's part of God's mandate for us. But also in that is this ministry of the gospel. And so I think it's good for us all. Consider what place God has put you in terms of gospel ministry. What's your time? What does your schedule look like from the past? Do you have margin? Even somebody coming into your life, this is the kick, you know, do you have time to share the gospel with someone? Or have I got, sorry, I've got to get to the, you know, this, that, and the other thing. May we make some time and see that as a priority. Verse 23, though, notice the first two words. So that's the reason Paul's been hindered. Look at the first two words of verse 23, but now. Okay, something's changed, but now. Now there's an opening for Paul to come to Rome, and he offers two reasons of why that opening has come about. Number one, he says, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. We're kind of familiar with that now. So Paul sees this ministry, Jerusalem to Illyricum. It's complete. And now he's aiming towards, verse 24, we haven't got there yet, but he's aiming towards Spain. And Spain, it would seem, was yet to receive the gospel. And so Paul kind of saw this as the, the gospel frontier. But presently, Paul feels like he's fulfilled his ministry here in the region of the gospel of Christ. And, and again, not that every single person had heard the gospel, but that Paul had accomplished God's role for him in this place, his role of starting churches, appointing different ones to this task, and he would leave the ministry to others. So I think it shows us here, Paul didn't, he didn't see a need to do it all. It's not that all came to Christ, everything was hunky-dory in this land, and this region. Paul would leave that to others. It's just that his ministry was fulfilled that God gave him. And I, again, some application for our lives, just kind of thinking through Paul nor do we need to do it all. It's not up to each, you know, just one of us, fulfill the ministry, do it all. Paul didn't do it all, but he, God had given this role as an apostle to go do these churches, plant here, preach the gospel here, and he would leave behind others. The, and then the equipping of ministry, Ephesians 4, talks about the saints to do that. So we want to be faithful where God has us. And also entrust ministry to others, that we don't do it all. So number one, Paul, no longer any work in these regions. Number two reason, now he can come. He says, I've longed for many years to come to you. That's at least what the ESV says. I've longed for many years to come to you. I think this, this last line of verse 23 gives you this sense of Paul's uh, love for the people at Rome. It's a people and a place he's never been to. He's never been there. And he longs to come to them. We won't go there, but even Paul's opening of this letter, it gives you this sense of the, the mutual encouragement he hopes to find once he gets there, mutually encouraged in the faith, and then his, his desire to preach the gospel there to those in Rome. But Paul wouldn't set up base camp there. He was on his way elsewhere, and that's what verse 24 shows us. He says, there, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain 
and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul hopes to see those in Rome in passing helped on his way by them. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's supplies. Journeys took time, but they also cost money to get the ships, whatever, the travel expenses, and Paul is seeking help on his journey by the church there at Rome. So the whole of the people in Rome can't go to Spain. That's where Paul's going, but through their means, they're going to help him. Much like Mike's here talking to us about the Gideons. We're not all Gideons today, but Bibles are going out to hotels and all elsewhere. We can be part of that ministry. It's that going out. Not everybody, but this here and that there and that sort of thing. Of course, we do some of what Paul's doing here. I hope to see you in passing, help to my journey, and just this passing, we do it Maybe when we travel, we just, our family has done a couple trips now this fall. Seems busier, but there's a wedding we need to get to in Colorado. Felt like we need to be at this one and, and then to see George in Texas. And uh, along the way, what do you do? If you don't want to do hotels along the whole way, you find people you know. It's kind of the, this is the old-fashioned way here of Paul. He knows people here, and maybe I'll be helped on my way as I'm going. And so we would meet relatives and family, stay with them and be helped by them along our way. It was good, good for us. Fed, They fed us, lodged us, good relationally. I think Paul sees that as well. The last line of verse 24, if you see that though, it's just a sweet line of fellowship. He says, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. You, you don't get the sense Paul's like, you know, I'll come. And it may be 24 hours, that's what I can fit into you, you know, fit into my schedule and then I'll be on my way. Once I've enjoyed some time with you, Paul says. And I think that's the fruit of the gospel that ties us together. It's this true, it's fulfilling, it's this fellowship, the enjoying of the company for a while. It's encouraging one another in the Lord. Pointing each other to Christ. So this is more than just you know, catching up on you know, what's going on in Rome, what's the local, what's the weather like, that sort of idea. I think there's more going on. There's pointing each other to Christ, being pointed by others to Christ. But then Leon Morris, commentator, he notes something interesting here in Paul's words. Listen to this. He says, Paul's words here are a, quote, tactful and paradoxical expression that combines two thoughts. Number one, to be in Rome among the Christians will be a great pleasure to Paul. That's kind of what we've thought on a little bit there. Number two, he does not plan to stay long. He did not intend to impose on the Romans. He was on his way. Proverbs 25, verse 17 says this, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. And some might say, that's a great proverb. That's why I'm never going to visit anybody. That's why we don't visit anymore. That's not, I don't think that's the idea at all, isn't it? That'd be the wrong way to go. And so even, but it's good to hear in a land of Minnesota and maybe a land of long goodbyes to also think on both sides of this. Go visit, but also don't overstay your welcome. Philip McDuffie, I just found this in searching around, whatever. He writes this. He says, though we may think spending significant amounts of time with ourselves is a foretaste of heaven on earth, our neighbor may not think so. Uh, in fact, overstaying our welcome may lead our neighbor out of the realm of love and into the realm of hatred. 
I think we can hold on two things here. Don't hear me saying, you know, because you don't want to stay too long, don't ever go visit. I think that's, Paul's got this heart of fellowship, gospel fellowship with one another. I'm pointing to all of us here, all of us. And yet, there's also this not overstaying that welcome, being sensitive to others and their time. So go, be thoughtful of others, but guard how long that stay, all that sort of thing. Okay. Well, that's Paul. He plans to go share Christ in Spain and along the way to enjoy the fellowship of the Roman believers. We're going to come back to those Romans in just a little bit. But before that, he's got one other geographical place he's going to. It's the last one here, Jerusalem. He's heading to Jerusalem to share Christ. may not all be spelled out that way, but let's, let's look at that. I want to look at two verses, 25 and 26 here where he says this. He says, At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. You get the bigger idea here of what Paul is doing at Jerusalem. Paul's bringing aid to the saints there. I, I take this to mean saints, it's, Hagia, it's holy ones. Take this to mean here, I think, Jewish Christians. And what was really, if you think of Jerusalem, really the home base of the gospel. It was from Jerusalem. If you look at the book of Acts, it's out of Jerusalem and then to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, maybe Spain, something in, in that time. But here's this going forward of the gospel, but it starts in Jerusalem. And so it's ultimately really even the persecution of the church in Jerusalem that would lead to this kind of the Christians fleeing and fanning out. But then we think here, uh, verse 25, I'm, I'm bringing aid to the saints to make a, a, this contribution, verse 26, to the poor. What's this aid all about? Why, why are there poor saints in Jerusalem? What's behind that? There's an older sermon of John MacArthur I found, and it points to three reasons and so these are more his than mine and just want to go through why why are there poor what's the need paul is gathering if you look into second corinthians 8 and 9 he's he's been gathering funds gathering monies to go to jerusalem to help the poor there why are they poor what's what's the story going on macarthur offers three reasons here number one the church was in rome uh (laughs) jerusalem keep geography straight it was populated by pilgrims Many pilgrims were in Jerusalem. Remember the Spirit had come on that day of Pentecost, and there were pilgrims from other places that, that saw what was going on. And I think MacArthur notes they've joined the church, and so it, it would seem like the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem are housing even pilgrims and caring for them. And, and we read in Acts, everybody's giving to each other as anyone has need. They're giving to one another. They're selling land, all that. Remember that? MacArthur says then, He says, it wasn't very many years until the rich weren't rich, until it was just a bunch of poor people because they had all given it away. It was so overwhelming for them then to try to sustain the needs of that church as persecution elevated and escalated. So when Paul here, when he begins his third missionary journey, he determines he's going to go. He's going to go and collect money for the poor in Jerusalem because they had no more resources left. 
So one, kind of populated by pilgrims, thinking of this, this church there. Number two, they were persecuted. He mentioned that. Here's a group of Jews that have departed largely from Judaism, from Orthodox Judaism, and they would face alienation from family and friends, leaving them, leaving houses for the sake of Christ. They were put out. Jesus predicted this, John 16. He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God, and they will do these things because they've not known the Father nor me. So there's this persecution, even in Jerusalem of all places, of Christians. Even Matthew 19, Mark 10, Jesus kind of alludes to this, the loss of, you know, he would lose house and family and land for his sake. So there's populated by pilgrims, persecuted. And then number three, MacArthur just notes the Roman economy on the whole, that Rome, the entirety of Rome, was really not all that wealthy because the money was going to other places, maybe the elites there. In Jerusalem, we even think back um, just to overtaxation. Remember the, the spiting of the tax collectors and this taxing of the people? And so that took resources as well. That gives us a bit of the glimpse into kind of what Paul was about in, in taking aid to the saints in Jerusalem. And so Macedonia and Achaia, which is really, you know, we think of Corinth, the church at Corinth. That's kind of the Achaia. Uh, you can see Thessalonica, Illyria, just if you go down there by Athens, kind of that Macedonia, Corinth, that area. Those people, Paul says, they're pleased, they're glad to make a contribution in this way. In fact, when Paul talks about this contribution in, in the book of Corinthians, he's writing to the church at Corinth, he's telling them about the Macedonians. And what he says of them, he talks about them giving out of an abundance of joy and extreme poverty. That's how the Macedonians gave. They were so glad, and they really didn't have anything. But what they had, they were glad to give. And it, and it says they even begged Paul for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. You get an idea of how pleased to give Achaia and Macedonia were. It wasn't just out of duty, and I guess we'll do this. It was they had a heart to give, and a heart to give to fellow what brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. And I think that's at the heart of it is this sharing and fellowship with believers elsewhere. Look at then verse 27. This idea I think will come out. Paul again, the second time. They, who's they? Macedonia and Achaia. For they were pleased to do it to make this contribution. And indeed, they owe it to them, for if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. I think Paul here, thinking of Gentiles giving to Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem, Paul's kind of on this theme again of the Gentiles benefiting from the Jews. We saw that Romans 11, the, the grafting in. Don't despise, don't be arrogant. That idea. Uh, There's other verses. Salvation comes from the Jews. That idea. And so we see here, Paul puts it in terms of even a debt that's owed. And it's owed really in terms of spiritual blessings. You see that in the text there. Uh, NASB might say spiritual things. 
The Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings. Again, Leon Morris comments, what are these spiritual blessings for the Gentile? He's going to tie it in to the Jews here. He says, there's no doubting that Paul means the gospel above everything else. What are these spiritual blessings? Blessings of the gospel. He says, that was the supreme privilege. Nothing in all this world is to be compared to the gift of God in the gospel. And the gospel came first to the Jews. When the Gentiles received it, it was because Jewish missionaries proclaimed it to them and invited them to share in its blessings. It's reasonable, then, that the Gentiles should serve the Jews with their material blessings. So from Jerusalem, the gospel has gone out. And throughout this letter to Rome, we see it. You know, we've seen the gospel to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, that kind of that idea. But there's one word here, uh, verse 27, that's related to another word in verse 26. It's the word where the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings. They've come to the word there as share. It's a word related to the same word, contribution, in verse 26. I don't know how all your versions say it, but you've got a contribution in verse 26 and come to share in verse 27. And it comes from kind of a verb and a noun that sound like this, koinonio or koinonia. Maybe you've heard that Greek word before, koinonia, that often refers to fellowship. Fellowship. What's the connection? The, the giving of these churches, they're, they're a long ways. I mean, we've got the map up there. Rome, Achaia, Macedonia, they're a long way from Jerusalem. And yet, they want to be part of the fellowship of believers. Fellowship of believers in Christ. This is Gentiles giving to Jews, and I think Jews in the Lord. There was quite the dividing line MacArthur brings out, makes a point from Ephesians 2, where it talks about the Jew and the Gentile, and no longer two, but one. That dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. How? Because of Christ. He notes this. He says, there was still lots of latent hostility between Jew and Gentile. And Paul knew there needed to be a real reconciliation. That's what happened spiritually, and that what had happened spiritually needed to happen personally. And so he knew that if he could collect money from Gentile churches, this is Paul, and bring it as a love gift to the Jews in Jerusalem, it would go a long way to elicit a mutual affection. Can I hear what he's saying there? It would express the spiritual unity of the church, which is the true body of Christ. It would also afford tangible evidence to a watching world that that middle wall of partition had been shattered and the Jew and the Gentile had come together. It would also be a dramatic setback to the Judaizers and it would be a dramatic setback for the Hellenizers, both of which wanted to perpetuate the the division. It would make a tremendous statement of solidarity, a statement of unity. Gentiles giving to the Jews. And so we see here, giving's not merely meeting the physical need, is it? It's in the area of fellowship. It's a sign here of fellowship of fellow believers, Gentile to the Jew here. Not every Jew, the saints, the Jew in Christ who was in need. 
And perhaps in our time and our day, as the news and we listen to the news, maybe there's some practical application here as well for the church in that region. Is there a way to give towards the church there, the needs of the Jews in Christ there as well in our day? A remnant, Paul says, they're chosen by grace, our brothers and sisters in Christ, perhaps, maybe by way of application. Well, Paul is heading to Spain to share Christ. He's wanting to pass through Rome, but he's got a, he's got a mission in the meantime, and that's to practically share Christ via this gift going to Jerusalem. And then once that's done, he's going to head their way. So look lastly at verses 28 through 29, where he says, When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. That's you at Rome. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Paul's going to ensure these gifts get to Jerusalem. There's kind of a seal. He's going to make sure it's completed, that it's done personally. And then, once that's completed, he's going to head to Spain via Rome. And when he comes to Rome, then he's going to come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, Paul eventually would get to Rome, if you remember some history, but it's probably not the way that he was thinking, at least at this point. He actually came in shackles or however he came through all the, the shipwrecks and all that, and he came to be under house arrest in Rome. He, he would get there. Um, I'm not sure he's got, I don't think he has that in mind at all at this point. But I want to look at this last phrase here. When he comes to Rome, he's going to come, and you could say he came, he wrote, I think, Philippians from Rome and other other texts, he's going to come to Rome in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. What is this? What is this blessing of Christ? I think it's really another way of speaking of the gospel of Christ. The blessing and the gospel of Christ intertwined. It's the gospel. It's this blessing of Christ. It's to us life and joy and peace in Christ. It's the hope of heaven. It's a present endurance. Maybe if you think of blessing the opposite of the blessing of Christ, you think of what's blessing's opposite? Cursing. Cursing to be separated from God, cast from His presence relationally. But in the gospel, in this blessing of Christ, the cursed are justified by the blood of Christ. It's this blessing. The cursed become blessed by God's mercy and by His grace alone. And so it's this blessing of Christ, the blessing of all of Christ. Matthew Henry writes, The blessing of the gospel is the treasure which we have in earthen vessels. When ministers are fully prepared to give out and people fully prepared to receive this blessing, both are happy. To be blessed is to be happy. And to be happy in Christ, even in the midst of suffering. And though Paul here, he would face much affliction. It's going to come, isn't it? Along his way, as he gets back to, to uh, Jerusalem, it doesn't just all go well. He gets imprisoned and all that sort of trial and the end of Acts and, and seeing that play through. And yet, he had a blessing to proclaim to those in Rome. A blessing here, make sure we note this, the blessing of Christ, tethered to Christ, to share Christ in Spain, to share a gift of Christ to those in Jerusalem, 
and to go back to Spain via Rome to share the blessings of Christ with those in Rome. So I want to ask you today, where is your Spain or your Jerusalem or your Rome? Paul has said just a couple chapters back here in Romans chapter 10, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. First question would be, do you understand this Christ that Paul is going to proclaim? Do you know the one whom the good news is about? Do you know of salvation that is in Christ through faith by God's grace? That though we face the wrath of God, that is for all sinners what we face, that Christ took on that wrath, that all who look to him would be saved. Do you know that one? This, this one that Paul is willing to go to prison to die for and to live for this Christ. Do you know this Christ today? Do you know this blessing of Christ? His peace, his presence for eternity. And if so, then, will you share that blessing of Christ? This is not for Paul only, but for all followers to make disciples, to share this blessing of Christ. Let me ask, who in your world, maybe your particular world that you live in, your little Spain or your Rome, whatever it is, that lives in darkness and needs light? And needs us to say, I have some gospel ministry to do. I need to get about this. And maybe put some other things that are, they're all good, they're good things, put them on the shelf for the sake of that gospel ministry. It's convicting. But then also thinking of sharing this blessing of Christ. What's Paul? He's sharing it with fellow believers. With fellow believers. So our sharing is not just to, th- to the frontier, just evangelism, just to those in darkness. It's those who are in the light that need that fellowship and need that sharing as well. What's your part in that? Your part in sharing the blessing of Christ to your brother or your sister gathered here. May our fellowship together, may it be rooted Again, not in just we gather here, it's this particular place on this main street for these amount of hours. We give this, we do this, that we would see we're part of Christ's family to share the blessing of Christ. That's your place here. I don't need to know all of the ins and outs of what you do in your ministry. Each one of us, not the pastor only, it's for us to share ministry together as you minister to those in your aisle or those that aren't here today that, hey, how you doing? Where were you? and care for others. Let's pray. Father, um, we just come before you. Lord, one, just you've only given us so many days, and they are numbered. Every one of them in your book before one of them came to be. One question for our hearts today is, how are we using them? So guide us, Lord. You have built some to farm, some to work and teach, some to labor in the home, some to build other things, create other things. All these things bring glory to You. And Lord, in the midst of busyness, that we would find time for truly gospel-tethered, Christ-tethered ministry to others, to our brothers and sisters here, and to those that may be living in darkness. Would you just show us where that is? Probably different for each one of us. What do we need to cut out, Lord, that we would splice in the important things? And then, Lord, guide us. Guide us, one, to just know this blessing.
that before we proclaim it, we would know it. And how do we know it? It's in your word. So Lord, the blessing of Christ is all over the pages of your scripture. Would you help us to thirst after your word to know this Christ, this Savior, this gospel? And then, Lord, being tethered to your word by prayer and to your people of the church, then may we go out and proclaim that light to a dark world. Lord, we do pray, even today, thinking of our brothers and sisters in Israel, even in, maybe secretively, in the land of uh, Gaza, Lord, that are also yours in Christ, all brothers and sisters, Lord, and in the regions there that, that, that face penalty for even saying there with Christ, Lord, would you strengthen them today? And where there's opportunity where you might make known for us to send aid to our brothers and sisters, we just pray you'd make that clear as well. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you for Christ, our hope in life and death. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.